This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome back to another episode of Extreme Resurrection. I'm your host, James Grunberg, and alongside of me, as always, is Steve Riddle. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I am doing good. Looking forward to talking uh, these next two episodes of ECW, because we uh, we're entering in some, uh, some interesting waters here with uh, what goes on here in the month of June of 2007. Yep. Uh, you know, while we just got through uh, our last episode, we just got through watching One Night Stand uh, 2007. But now we're in a uh, now we're like right between, um, you know, an ECW episode and a draft, too. So we'll see what uh, transpires uh, between those two episodes uh, with the draft uh, coming up. So it's like, you know, gone with one uh, one pay-per-view and you're like right right into the action again you know if like things changing and everything too so uh, we're in for a uh, wild ride like you said you know with the waters mm-hmm. yeah definitely before we start here uh you know well we lost two of um we lost two wwe uh superstars and uh one was uh you know one helped play ecw on the map, at least with the uh, paper pay-per-view aspect of it. And that is Terry Funk. And we also lost uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, Terry Funk, who has been a, uh, you know, he's been all over the world. He went to Japan. He's been WWF. He's been in WCW, ECW. He went back to the WWF <laughs> in 1998. Then he left and went to WCW right until uh, almost about the end there, too. So he's been wrestling for decades, you know, and uh, he won the ECW title at uh, Barely Legal 1997. That was ECW's first first uh, pay-per-view. He defeated Raven, and uh, that was a really good uh, moment and a really good matchup there, too. And uh, he put ECW... Uh, and hardcore wrestling on the map as well, you know, Steve. So anything about uh, Terry Funk? I mean, the guy, you know, there's been a bunch of other pods that I've you know covered extensively. I know uh, our buddy Sean Kidd on his new podcast over on the North South Connection Territorial did a whole episode about about Funk. So um, I won't say much about, it, but it's like, yeah, he was a. Um, I mean, the dude was a trailblazer. I mean, he, you know, one of the few guys that was an active wrestler for. You know, I think what fifty dec- five decades. I mean, he's mm. I think you know starting in the seventies. I mean, you know, you list off his accolades. You know, let's not forget too. He was a uh, NWA World Champion at one time. Uh, he and uh, his brother Dory were, of course, the only brother duo to hold that that uh, that title. 
Um, and like you said, yeah, he hit like all the big promotions at all the big times. You know, he was in WWF right at the you know when the Hulkamania era was really getting going. Uh, he was in NWA in '89 at probably one of their hottest years. Um, came back, you know, like I said, WCW. He was in the during the Attitude Era, and then like you said, you know, he was one of the guys that really esta- helped establish ECW. I know Paul Heyman is often credited Funk for uh, being one of like the founding fathers of ECW, and then like you said, the big moment of Funk winning the uh, ECW title at Barely Legal um, was was definitely huge. And even him at uh, him at One Night Stand 06, him and Dreamer and Beulah having that you know really fun six man with Foley Edge and uh, Lita. So. You know, the guy was an absolute legend, and he is definitely one that uh, his legacy, you know, still lives on to this day. Like you said, as a great, as a pioneer, one of the, like, the, like you said, the founding fathers of hardcore wrestling. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, one of my funny, favorite, uh, you know, funny moments on um, on Terry Funk, you know, there's a, there, there's sort of a couple of them. But one of them is um, he he's introducing uh, his daughter and everybody. Um you know, like his family too, with the WCW crowd in 2000. And he's like, oh, I'm not retiring until 2001. You know, I signed a contract up until June of 01. So it's like, oh, Terry Funk's still getting a payday. And then um, Shane Douglas comes out and he goes, I'm going to retire you old man right now. You know, so I'll bring you back that little, uh, bring back some little ECW feuds with, uh, in WCW between Shane Shane Douglas and uh, Terry Funk, and that was hilarious. Yeah, that's uh, that little run he has in uh, like ninety nine two thousand as commissioner and the as the hardcore champion in uh, WCW was like one of the few bright spots of that uh, of that year. Yep, and then now we're uh, we move on to a guy who I thought was coming back to WWE. I thought he was getting ready, and it happened. Um, Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt. You know, the Wyatt family, when they came in, they started beating up Cena and everybody. And then Bray Wyatt got to do his match with The Undertaker at uh, WrestleMania 31. And he he got hurt during the um, during like the practice. You know, they were practicing their match and like going over like warm ups and uh, Bray actually sprained his ankle. So it looked like he was in jeopardy, too. But uh if you recall him coming out of like the shadows, shadows to go up against the Undertaker, it was a really good matchup there. And uh, you know Bray, Bray just being Bray, you know the whole, um, you know the Fiend, the Firefly Funhouse, you know Bray really switched up his character when it felt like he needed a fresh coat of paint or a paint of coat, you know. And when he got released, I was kind of surprised. And then when he came back, I was like, oh, man, like Bray Wyatt's back. And then he left again, too. And I was like, well, what happened? And then I, he's like, oh, he's come making a comeback. And then he passed away, you know. And when Triple H's thing, I thought it was like, oh, no, that can't be real. It's like, no, it it's real. Yeah, I remember being in like because i because i know that was like you we were passing around on our chat pages and i just really like i was in shock when that happened because like you said it was only i think what like a, like a week before they were saying about how he was getting ready to come back and they were getting you know planning you know something for him and then all of a sudden he just you know he passes away like this it's, it's insane and you know it's crazy because if you look at the trajectory of how his career went because you remember he came first came in as um husky harris and um 
in the original, you know, NXT in 2010, and you you know there was some potential there, but you just weren't quite sure because he just seemed kind of um, generic almost when he was first there. But then when he went back down to Florida and then cultivated this Bray Wyatt character, it was just something completely different, um, and it was just so refreshing to see. And I mean the the things you've been hearing about from the guys, you know, the people, you know, giving their little, like little memories of him is just how incredibly talented and creatively sound he was and he's always a guy that i think you know a lot of fa- he he's he's was the kind of consternation of a lot of fans more so not for him but more so for his booking um you know him losing the scene at 30 i think was a decision a lot of people liked and and um but like you said just the constant reinvention you know with the original the original character and the fiend and, and then, like you said, what we saw when he returned last year after getting released, you know, with the whole, them doing the whole white rabbit thing on the, the house shows and in the you know, with all the little Easter egg things. And yeah, it's just, it was just an absolute gut punch. I mean, that had to, I mean, I'm trying to think back when the last time we had a guy who was like an active wrestler on a roster, you know, just pass away. So suddenly, I think the, I probably think the last one was, um, was Brody Lee uh, in AEW a few years ago, and um, and I, I mean I'm sure that you know hit hard for for Bray, and obviously you know this hit hard for their their other partner Eric Rowan, who I, I like that they did bring him in for SmackDown for the tribute. I thought that was a nice touch, and and, and as the um, the stories have come out, this you know that have revealed like the the reasoning behind his passing, it just makes it even more sad. So you know he's a guy that I think could have just could have had you know been so much more and you just you know, now we just wonder you know what could have been had he had he had come back and been a lot you know continuing on and what his you know future would have been i've been seeing a lot of uh posts from people saying that he should go in the hall of fame next year along with uh with brody um of course who he was also luke harper um it'd be interesting to see if they do do that but again yeah just you know back to back you know big losses like that for the wrestling community is, you know, it's tough. It's, 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 it just, and it just, you know, again, it just, it gives you that little like sense of, you know, you know, Hey, we're all mortals. So we're all going to go at some point. And it just kind of that sober in reality, whenever something like that happens. So, yeah. So rest in peace to, to Terry Funk and to Bray Wyatt. You're, you'll both be missed, but your legacies will, will live on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, and uh, you know everything will. Uh, their their memories will all live on the professional wrestling world. So, but you know, I mean, I know we gotta like switch gears here, but uh, we do have a show to do as well. Uh, we have ECW June fifth, June fifth, two thousand seven. We're at the Amway Arena in Orlando, Florida. We kick off with a recap of Bobby Lashley defeating Mr. McMahon for the ECW title. So Bobby Lashley is finally the new ECW champion. He finally beat Mr. McMahon, Umaga, and Shane McMahon. And what seemed like a three-on-one uh, three uh, ECW uh, handicap match, even though it was supposed to be one-on-one, but it was anything goes. Um so uh, we were live at uh, the Amway Arena, and we have Mr. McMahon. He's sitting in a rocking chair. He comes out. And then Bobby Lashley uh, comes to the ring, as he will be in a handicapped hardcore 
match, Extreme Rules. It's three on one. It's Bobby Lashley versus the Sandman, Balls Mahoney, and Tommy Dreamer. ECW original surround surround the ring, getting weapons. Uh, the ECW original started hitting Lashley with weapons. Huge trash can, huge huge trash can shot by Dreamer. Clothesline the balls. Lashley throws Dreamer into the steps. Leg drop onto Lashley by Sandman. Tree of woe to Lashley by Tommy. Balls of. Uh, Balls accidentally hits Tommy with a chair. Balls misses a leg drop off the top rope. Then Sandman, Sandman gets put through the table and Balls gets speared for the pick. So Bobby Lashley wins his three-on-one handicap match. I went a star and a half on this, Steve. I thought it was it was good for what it was. Uh, it was good, you know, a little bit of uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, shots from uh, the UCW originals, especially that uh, Tree of Woe shot by uh, Tommy Dreamer as well. Yeah, I went, um, I went star and a half as well. Um, seeing Vincent at Rocket Chair, he definitely looked like one of those, uh, those like, old men you see on the on their porch you know they're like you damn kids get off my lawn <laughs> that's just the way that's the way he looked he just looks so like you know just such like an old man it's so weird um yeah the, the original has got some you know decent offense in here on lashley with all the weapon shots um the the leg drop off the top from Sandman actually looked fairly decent and then like you said the tree of woe from dreamer and then dreamer took a nasty chair shot there by balls um i'm so <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised he, he didn't suffer concussion after that. And then Lashley pretty much finishes him off, hits the puts Sandman through the table with the spear, and not the prettiest spear on the um, balls. Balls definitely looked like he was protecting himself a little too much from that, um, but still decent. You know, good little win for Lashley as he overcomes the odds again, and then he kind of, you know, he basically goes to Vince and stands in front of them, front of him holding the belts up, and Vince just has that like that day's look in his face like he could care less so um decent you know again decent stuff here to keep lashley going strong yeah and a good start to uh the the show here uh you know as well um so now we uh like you said lashley holds up the ecw title right in front of mr fan and then we get kevin thorne versus steven richards um thorne beats up stevie in the corner stevie throws thorne to the outside Thorn bounces Stevie off the guardrail. Stevie gets a kill. Stevie gets a comeback and lands a drop kick to to the back of Kevin Thorn. Sit down power bomb to Stevie, and then the original sin for the win. Oh, for this match, Steve, I want a star. It was all right, but isn't the fans here were just like, "This is boring," you know? Like they were chanting really heavily, "Boring." I found Stevie not to be the best, but they are really trying to. Uh, push Thorne here uh, to go up against uh, some <clears throat> better talent here, and they're really trying to give Thorne a push. Yeah, I want a star as well. Um, yeah, the crowd pretty much could care less. Like I think, and again, I think I go back to what I say. After Thorne lost Ariel, he basically lost the one thing that made him interesting, and now he's just a uh, just a dude. Um, but like you said, they're definitely trying to keep him somewhat, you know, strong, been pushing him. Um, Stevie's not the worst choice to put, put a guy like Thorne over because he's a veteran. Um, Thorne kind of 
the offense was kind of eh, but Stevie had a decent little comeback there, and then Thorne finishes him off pretty easily with the uh, with the original Sun. So, um, again, nothing much here, just to kind of give Thorne another win as they look to see what to do with him. Yep. So then we get a uh, the and it, so then we get an extreme expose by Layla Brooke and Kelly Kelly. They come out and dance, and then we get the recap of the stretcher match. As we said before, that is Rob Van Dam's last match in WWE for a while. As uh, he he said that he was burnt out and uh, he wanted uh, he wanted out, so Rob Van Dam got his wish. They're trying to make it seem like uh, he's just out indefinitely from injury, but uh, that's really not the case because he doesn't come back until uh, 2013, like he's on the roster for a little while. But uh, he will make sporadic appearances there, here and there. As uh, I said before, he came back for the uh, Raw 15th anniversary show in December of 2007. So uh, Rob Van Dam is done with WWE at this time. And uh, he did get the win over Randy Orton, but Randy Orton gave him a DDT as well to uh, kind of put Van Dam out of his misery here. Yeah, pretty much. Um, going back quick to the um, Extreme Expose, and we mentioned early, I mentioned earlier how the crowd would care less about the previous match. They were actually they they were pretty dead for this segment too. I mean, usually the the girls can get a you know at least somewhat of a reaction out of the crowd, but it seemed like they just could care less at this point. Um, and then, yeah, a good little, um, like you said, the recap there of uh, RVD getting pretty much put out by uh, by Orton. Mm-hmm. So now we have a tag team match. It is Elijah Burke and Marcus Corvon versus the Major Brothers. So I remember uh, before uh, One Night Stand um, 2007 that Mad Striker said that he was going to fight the Major Brothers, I remember, and now it's like the card has like totally changed. I wonder what uh, I wonder what happened because like I remember like Striker was like, "Oh, I'll face both of you if I have to." And then as I was getting towards this match, like as I was getting towards this week afterwards, I was like, "That can't be right." You know, like this match, like match Striker versus the Major Brothers seems so bad. You know, unless Striker was gonna put the Major Brothers over, but I guess they change direction here because we have Elijah Burke and Marcus Corvon versus the Major Brothers. I don't know if you remember that, Steve, or not. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Um, may, maybe, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just remember that, too, and I was just like, oh, okay, Like, so now they changed it because now we'll see where Stryker is uh, in our next matchup here, but we do have this uh, tag team match. Chops applied to both uh, Corvon and Brian. Burke misses an elbow. Hip toss by hip hip throw by both major brothers to Burke. Flapjack to Brett. Clothesline to Brett. Huge elbow drop by Burke. Tag to Brian. Flying forearm by Brian. And then basically a body blocker to Brian for by Corvon for the win. So Corvon hits the body blocker on Brian and he gets the pin here. For this matchup, Steve, I want a star and a half. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the Major Brothers really tried to get one over on the uh, whatever's left of the uh, new breed here. But uh, again, another solid performance by uh, both Burke and uh, Corvon. So I got a star and a half. 
I want to start in three quarters. It was a good little tag match. Um, you know, Corvan and uh, Burke still look pretty good as a little unit here. The majors are, you know, slowly getting their their legs under them. Um, obviously, uh, Brett always played a good little face in peril. It's funny. Uh, Burke ended up uh, kind of hitting him in the back to send him into his corner so that Brian could get the um, the hot tag, and then had a good flurry there until um, until Corvan got the blind tag and um the, uh, the pounce that he hits Brian with looked really sweet. Um, Brian took a nice little bump from that. So um, obviously keeping Burke and Corvon strong, particularly Corvon as he gets the pin. Um, so decent little, again, little tag match there and gives the, uh, the new breed a good win after they took the, uh, had to take the, the loss at, uh, at one night stand. Yep. And um, so now we have uh, CM Punk versus Matt Stryker here for the, for the main event. And uh, like you said, Steve, it does look like, you know, Corvon and both Burke are getting a push here. So we'll see what uh, what happens here as they as we move forward towards the uh, draft. You know, maybe they'll get separated or whatnot, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, now we have CM Punk versus Matt Stryker in our main event. Stryker says he's going to teach Punk a lesson. Drop kick to Stryker by Punk. Bat drop by Stryker. Clothesline by Striker, a half Boston Crab by Striker, spinning neck breaker to Punk, running knee and bulldog to Striker. For but it's like for a two count. Striker then counters the GTS and he tries to go for a neck breaker, but that gets countered into the GTS for the win by Punk. So the winner is CM Punk. For this matchup, I went a star in three quarters here. I thought this matchup was good. You know, Stryker really was trying with Punk. And, uh, you know, Punk is a very interesting character here. And, uh, you know, I like his uh, I like his move set here with the bold, the running knee and the bulldog and the tight kicks. You know, it really it really does work out for me. Yeah, I went um, two stars on it. I thought it was a good little main event. Um, both guys do have good chemistry together. So um, they, you know, got to show off their stuff. Um Striker got some good, decent offense, and I, it's I, I liked I did like at the one point he went for the Boston Crab and he kind of lost his balance on it, so then he just like let it go and hit a big splash on the back, which I thought was a nice little recovery, um, before going back to the to the um to the half crab, um good off you know good little comeback there by Punk you know hits the you know stiff knee into the bulldog and then like you said countering the neck breaker into the GTS for the win, so again clearly kind of showcasing um. That Punk is clearly the um, at least the um, number two baby face on the brand behind Lashley, and um, Striker you know puts him over strong. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because it seems like again they're building Punk up to something. So uh, maybe a Punk Lashley match probably down the line would have been pretty cool to see. So we would um, just have to wait and see, I guess. Yes, we do, and um, well, that Punk versus Lashley match up. Isn't going to happen uh, as we get there, too. But I want to see what happens with uh, Corvan as uh, we uh, get towards these uh, waters, uh, the waters here as well, too. But like I said, that Bung versus Lashley uh, match down the road is not going to happen. And I'm going to pull it up because we had a draft uh, in uh, we had a draft of Monday Night Raw before this ECW show. And I'm going to pull up the. Uh, the draft results here. Give me a second. Well, I have them up too. If uh, if we if need be, so. Uh, okay. Yep. Yep. Hold on. Let's. All righty. So we got 
Yeah, so it also took place in uh, the Wachovia Center in Wilkes-Barre. That was the uh, Monday Night Raw here. So we have for SmackDown. Let's see. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, for SmackDown they got the great Kyle, the great colleague got drafted to SmackDown. ECW gets the Boogeyman. Then Raw gets Queen Booker and King Booker, King Booker and uh, Queen Charmel. ECW gets Chris Benoit. So Chris Benoit and the Boogeyman now are on ECW. Tori Wilson and Chris Masters go to SmackDown. Bobby Lashley, who is the ECW champion, is now drafted to Raw. So when Lashley gets drafted to Raw, Mr. and Dan makes him forfeit the forfeit away the ECW championship. So the ECW title will remain on ECW, but Bobby Lashley is no longer on Raw. Therefore, we have a vacant ECW champion. We have a vacant ECW title as well. Your thoughts on Lashley going to Raw, Steve? Uh, it made sense. I mean, they. I think they realized after you know having him be part of like that huge match at WrestleMania, then with the, the feud with Vince, that um, that they wanted him on the A show finally. Um, and it made sense that since he's now on Raw, he shouldn't be the ECW champion anymore. So keep that title on the brand. Um, we should just mention really quick that uh, the way they did the draft was they had um, interpromotional matches throughout the night, and whoever won the matches would win the pick for their brand. So I thought that was a kind of interesting touch that they went to uh, to uh, to do that. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, like if uh, your side won, you got the pick. You know, so. Oh, let me see here. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, oh, yeah. So it was Bobby Lashley who defeated Chris Benoit. So Chris Benoit ends up actually going to ECW. And I guess, um, you know, uh, CM Punk uh, got the boogeyman uh, drafted over to uh, ECW as well because he defeated Carlito. So uh, that's how those two uh, got drafted to ECW here. So we have Ric Flair going to SmackDown. Snitsky, who's been on ECW for like a couple of months now, he goes to Raw as well. And then Mr. Kennedy goes to Raw. I thought that Snitsky was going to be a team uh, player in ECW. I don't know why they want him on Raw, you know? Yeah, well, I guess um, maybe because they figure they could just have another monster heel on um, for ECW because um, they did also do after this a supplemental draft, so there were a couple of guys that um, tra- were traded to the sh- to each of the shows. Oh um, yeah, this gets even. That... It feels like you know. Yeah. Because Viscera, well, it doesn't get worse, but it gets like it gets kind of like bad for the ECW side. Viscera is traded. Uh, Viscera gets uh, drafted to ECW. Then the Sandman gets drafted to Raw. Hardcore that just Holly, made no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardcore Holly, who was on ECW before getting injured, he's drafted to SmackDown. The Miz gets drafted to ECW from SmackDown. Then the Major Brothers get drafted to SmackDown from ECW. And then now we have Layla. No, we have two more. Johnny Nitro gets drafted to ECW from Raw. 
and Layla gets drafted to ECW from SmackDown. Makes sense. Oh, Layla makes sense. I mean, she's been part of Extreme Expose, so just might as well make it official. And then, um, yeah, Vis- Viscera, Miz, and Nitro, um, they really weren't doing much on their brand, so I guess just put them over to ECW, maybe give them a little bit more exposure. But yes, a Sandman going to Raw just made zero sense. That that was a Vince call, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh, Sandman has said, like, on his uh, thing, he was like, oh, yeah, I was sitting at home, and then... Um, you know, Johnny, uh, Johnny Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace came on. He said, Hack, you've been drafted to Raw. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you had no idea. He's like, yeah, you're going to Raw now. So that must have been crazy for, that must have been like weird for a uh, Sandman, you know? So it's sort of like, I don't know, Steve, like it feels like it's sort of on the short end with ECW, but we'll see what um, Chris Benoit, the Boogeyman, the Miz, Johnny Nitro and Viscera do uh, for ECW's brand as uh, we go forward. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, kind of uh, interesting point here of the orig- ECW originals. Now, Tommy Dreamer, the only one still on ECW because Sa- Sabu is gone. Van Damme is gone. And Sam is now on Raw. So Dreamer basically by himself. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you count Balls Mahoney, I guess he's still there. So, I mean, like, by the, the original four, yes, uh, Tommy Dreamer is the only one there. So, now we're live again uh, from the Wachovia Center, ECW, June 12, 2007. We get a recap of Raw and the draft, and then this happens. Mr. Mc, Mr. McMahon. Leaves Monday Night Raw after saying, I believe he said thank you to the crowd, and they're like, he just leaves. And then you see, like, the infamous, like, Paul London smiling, and then everybody's just, like, watching him go. Patterson and Briscoe are the last ones to, like, say goodbye to him. And then he shuts the door, and the limo blows up. So now Mr. McMahon is presumed dead. You know, I feel bad talking about this now, but this is what is happening. Yeah, we were talking about before going on the air that seeing all of this, you know, in the current day with what happened in you know real time definitely feels a lot more bizarre. But yeah, like the whole the whole thing about Raw was like, yeah, now was it, it was just a draft, but it was also ECW. I mean, uh, Mr. McMahon Appreciation Night. Um, and then, like you said, he comes out. He, he doesn't even really say goodbye. He just stands in the ring for a minute. And then he, like, heads to the back. And then, like you said, he walks past everyone. And, yeah, the infamous moment, like, Paul London with, the, you know, the, the wide-eyed grin on his face. He, he's probably thinking, oh, shit, I'm probably going to get fired for this one. And I think um, that's why he got fired. I'm fired, actually. People have said that is the reason why Paul London got fired. Like, or, like, one of the reasons, you know, for, like, just, like, screwing up and being, like, unprofessional. Right, and then, like I said, yeah, then he passes everybody else, and then at one point, like, he goes to leave, but Coach stops him, tells him he's going the wrong way, so then he goes out to the limo, and, uh, and yeah, just, like, the whole thing of, like, him hesitating again, and then, like, like you say, he shuts the door, and then the, 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 the limo blows up, um, yeah, really, yeah, really weird, I think that's just the best way to describe it. I know for the time being, like, you know, like the with the aftermath of like what is like truly going to happen, you know, I was a little in invested in the storyline to see what was going to 
happen. And then, you know, like two weeks later, it's like, oh, well, something else did happen. But we'll get there eventually. Yeah, I, I did think, though, them doing the whole the Ten Bell salute and the in memory of, I thought, was a little bit too much. Cause, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, cause, I mean, they're basically trying to imply that it was Mr. McMahon, the character that presumably died, not Vince McMahon, the man. And yeah. um, it, it did feel a little bit heavy-handed at times. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's going to be, like, a little bit more heavy-handed, too. As Joey Styles is like, well, we're putting on all these great matches here for uh, in honor of Mr. McMahon. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit over the top, but okay. Yeah, and the fact that we're in Philadelphia too, I think. Yeah. And, you know, the crowd reaction was, you know, and, and Joey and Taz even kind of called the crowd out on it, saying they're they're being disrespectful for it. But yeah. I think even they knew what was that what was really going on. Yep. Yeah. And how? But now we have um. So we do have uh this ECW show uh from the Wachovia Center. It's Tommy Dreamer versus Balls Mahoney in an Extreme Rules match up here. Way to get the crowd uh, going uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, you know I do I do feel that like you know they did some good uh, they did a good job with this show, but it's being from Philadelphia, and uh, you know they wanted to give their best for the uh, Philly crowd because they know how the Philly crowd gets here. Mm-hmm. Tommy and Balls exchange punches, baseball slide into the table by Tommy. Tommy hits Balls with a kitchen sink. Tommy goes into the steps. Trash can lid, lid shots by Balls. A tr- trash can shots to Balls by Tommy. Balls trips Tommy face first into a chair. Tree of Woe with a trash can this time to Balls Mahoney. Balls misses a dive. And then a DDT into a chair by Tommy for the win. For this matchup, Steve, I went a star and a half. It was good, you know. Like, it was it, it, it was really good here, uh, you know, like uh, just to – two ECW originals going at it here, you know, like you said, because now Tommy's all by himself and uh, Balls is still here from the ECW originals, but they did a great job with this Extreme Rules match here, Pierre, a matchup here, pulling out the uh, sink and everything. So I want to start in a half. Yeah, I want to start in three quarters. It was a fairly, you know, good garbage ball by these two guys who, considering some of the shots they were taking in the match, maybe at this point in their careers, maybe shouldn't have been taken, but, you know, they do go all out, um, pull out all the weapons. Um, the tra- the tree of woe with the trash can was a good spot. Um, unfortunately, they get the you know, occasional trouble with the table where one of the legs bends the wrong way and, and it doesn't get set up properly. But they made it work with uh, Mahoney going through the table and then uh, Dreamer with the DDT on the chair to finish it off. So again, fine stuff um, for two you know ECW um, stalwarts. Yep, and now we have making his debut. On uh, ECW, he's going up against Matt Stryker. It's Matt Stryker versus the Boogeyman, and Stryker is very scared of the Boogeyman. Shots in a drop kick by Stryker, splashing a clothesline by uh, the Boogeyman, like a um, it looked like a little like small spine buster to Stryker by the Boogeyman for the win here. I went half a star. And then the boogeyman feed striker worms. So I went a uh, half a star on the uh, on the match between striker and boogeyman because after um, after last week's main event with um, you know CM Punk, like you thought striker was going to do better, and then he gets put into this match up here, and it's like 
he didn't really get any offense and boogeyman just sort of like squashed him because striker was scared of like his own shadow basically yeah i want a quarter star basic squash here it's it's kind of funny they decide to bring boogeyman over now when maybe he probably would have fit better a year earlier when they were throwing out all those random ass characters like the zombie and uh um Freaking whatever else characters they had coming out in the early days of, of ECW on sci-fi. Maybe that's probably when Boogeyman would have fit a little better. Um, but anyway, but I mean, it's it's fine. He's, you know, decent enough character to kind of work on this on the sci-fi channel. And yeah, he pretty, I mean, yeah, Stryker had that good showing against Punk the week before. And now he's reduced back to jobber status here as he puts uh, Boogie over in like two and a half minutes. And then he gets the worm treatment. So um, again, nothing much just to establish you know boogeyman here on the new on his new uh brand yep so they've gone uh over and over that there is uh no ecw champion here as well because bobby lashley got drafted to raw and he has uh left ecw and the championship title is vacant here we have highlights after the limo exploded on Monday Night Raw, and uh, this got like a little bit sketchier too. You know, like them just like pointing out like there's a big fire and stuff. You know, and like you see the sparks uh, still exploding. So you just like it's weird to look at it now. You know. <laughs> Yeah, again, just kind of recapping everything and yeah, showing that um, the footage afterwards of the tr- the fire truck coming up and putting the limo out. And like you said, it's only going to get a lot more weird um, after this. And yeah, and believe it or not, uh, weird as it is, we're already at the main event now, Steve, as it is ECW's, ECW's new draft pick, Chris Benoit and CM Punk versus Elijah Burke and Marcus Corvon. I think this is a fine main event here, you know, Punk and Benoit here versus, you know, the EC of the new breed guys who are trying to get over. Very good uh, combination here. Definitely. Punk starts off with Corvan. Corvan goes to work on Punk. Tag the Burke. Knee to the knee to the face by Punk. Tag the Benoit. Duplex to Burke. Tag to Corvan. Heavy strikes to Benoit by Corvan. Flying forearm by Punk. Drop kick to Corvan by Punk. And then we're back from commercial. Burke has Punk down. A clothesline to Burke. Spine buster and a, and a slingshot to the corner by Corvan. Corvan gets his team disqualified, though, because he's not listening to the referee and uh, he doesn't get out of the ring by five. So it's a disqualification so Chris Benoit and CM Punk are going to win by disqualification German suplexes and a sharpshooter to Burke as uh, Corvan just goes out to the outside here for this match Steve I went a star I went a star and a half I would have gone higher if we would have had a finish you know but I I feel like I can understand why they did the disqualification because they are trying to protect Burke and Corvan but I really liked this matchup up until the end. Yeah, I went two and a quarter. I actually enjoyed the tag. Um, I thought Benoit and Punk actually looked pretty cool as a team. Um, the grizzled veteran with the young upstart. Um, and putting them, like you said, putting them with Burke and Corvon, you're kind of establishing, like, these four guys are going to be your your studs going forward on the brand now that Lashley's gone. Um, I thought they had good little back and forth. I thought Punk was good as the... Um, 
as the face in peril. Um, I, I agree. I thought the ending was a little bit weird. I don't know why. I, I kind of thought if you want to establish Benoit, you give him a win here. I think Burke could have taken the submission loss and been it wouldn't have hurt him too much. Um, but the ending, I definitely thought kind of uh, was a bit weak. Um, that, you know, Corvon's, you know, not listening to the referee's count gets himself disqualified. I thought that was kind of lame. Um, but then Burke and, I mean, uh, Punk and Benoit look good in the end. Anyways, they basically take uh, Burke out with the, the combination of the suplexes, the headbutt, and then the sharpshooters. So, um, could have gone. I like you. Unlike you, I could have gone a little higher in the grade if the if the ending had been a little better. But I think it was still a good little tag to establish these four guys, um, and particularly like like I said, um, these are the four guys that are probably going to be um, in the hunt for uh, for who is going to be the next ECW champion. Yes, indeed, as well. Well, that's going to do it for the the ending of the show. But actually, before the show goes off the air, you see that uh, Punk and Benoit. Are, uh, fist bumping each other, you know, that they're on good terms uh, as it comes to being tag team partners. And it looked like Punk was like, well, welcome to ECW, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of, again, establishing that, like, uh, almost kind of like that little, uh, like, veteran, you know, youngster mentality between the two. Well, that's going to do it as uh, ECW goes off the air. He goes uh, off the air here. But uh, before we go, Steve, um, is there anything that you want to direct the uh, listeners to and plug? Uh, you can usually find me over on uh, the PTB Pop Experience. I got a couple of shows over there, um, Making Mount Rushmore, the Video Jukebox Song of the Day, and Pop Goes to Classics, where we just dropped our recent episode where me, Andy, and Miranda discussed Dinosaur. Uh, kind of a ho-hum movie. But we made it work, so uh, be sure to uh, listen to that. Um, also, check me out on the uh, on the North South Connection. Uh, I was a part of the um, one of the more recent episodes of Carnoso, where we talked SummerSlam '88. I specifically talked about the Brother Love segment with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, and I was also on a recent episode of the uh, where me and Ryan Gray uh, hyped up the Becky Lynch Trish Stratus cage match from Payback. So uh, be sure to uh, get um, listen to those, and be sure to follow everything on all the feeds, especially with Noso, especially. Um, on their YouTube channel. Lots of good stuff going on there, so if you haven't subscribed to them yet, please do. Uh, and also, be sure to go to the PTV Facebook group. The Greatest Song of the 2000s tournament is going strong. We are halfway through round one. Uh, a lot of big matchups have happened, a lot of big ones still to come. Uh, a lot of interesting decisions have happened, um, ones I'm still kind of sometimes, you know, gnawing my teeth over, but that one that's what makes the tournament so good. So, if you've not yet, please get in and vote. Oh, I vote every day. I can't wait till you get those uh, polls up and running every every day. You know, some of them, um, you know, it's just because, like, they're more popular songs, you know, than the ones that I like. And I'm just like, oh, I hate it, you know, like Just a Girl, you know, by uh, the Click 5. I was like, no, you had to put it up against this one, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, good uh, good surprises and, uh, you know, uh Ones where it's like, oh, really? It's got to go up against this one, huh? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, that's what makes it fun. Yep. As for me, uh, besides this, uh, besides this show here on the Place to Be Nation feed, you can also find me on Nation Nation Invasion, where I um, where I uh, go back and I go over the WCW invasion of the WWF from two thousand and one. Steve, you were my last guest on the uh, Buff Bagwell uh, July 2nd Monday Night Raw from Tacoma, Washington. 
And uh, we all know what happened there. Uh, it was a little bit of a bad ending. But now um, I'm uh, going to be recording the next episode with Jennifer Smith as uh, we covered the Raw from July 9th and the SmackDown from July 12th from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, things uh, turned, uh, things make a turn for uh, the extreme part of the uh, invasion. So we'll see what happens uh, there. Well, that's going to do it from us from Extreme Resurrection. I'm James Gruenberg. He's Steve Riddle, and we will see you next time.